I love how, um, or I'm, at least you say, I'm fascinated with how sort of imprecise language can be, even when we try our very best. I was at a, another church preaching just a couple weeks ago, and I hear it kind of often in church. I, I hear, um, if, you're a, if you're a visitor here today, we're just really happy to see you, and um, hey, when you, would you greet somebody, and greet somebody you don't know, and oh, when the offering goes by, if you're, if you're a guest, it's, all, it's kind of on the house, this one. Um, and, and, no, you did. You did good. I heard you. But what, and so what I'm hearing, every time I hear, you know, I hear, hey, if you're a regular here, we don't really care that you came. And um, if you know somebody, ignore them. And um, if you're a regular, pay up. You owe us. So, you know, so it's, and nobody means to say that, right? Like, that's not what you intend. But just weird people like me hear things. So t- today in our, our in this conversation, it really is about a word that we're not going to get it all. Like, I'm not going to say it exactly right, and you'll have a lot of ways you'll think about it that'll be very different than the way maybe you've heard before. And I'm just confessing, I'm not going to be able to hit every component of this word. I'll give you an example. Think for a moment, where were you when you were the coldest you've ever been? Ice fishing. fishing, Which is a fascinating sport to me. I I just have no interest. I don't even like frozen fish, but anyhow. All right, where were you? So I can imagine that's cold. Dylan? Okay, yep. All right. Where? The Ukraine in February. Okay. Anybody else? Where? Oh. Oh, again. I won't get into people who do the New Year's Day plunges. I. What were you going to say? Yeah, wind's probably blowing a little bit. I, I mean, I live in Colorado, and I'm in the mountains a lot. The coldest I've ever been was in Jacksonville, Florida. And it was in the middle of winter. I was in this, um, it was in a stadium, and we were underneath having to do work, and the wind was blowing through, and the humidity was super high. And it, it did, I kept putting on more stuff. I could not get warm. If I say to you anything about being cold, you automatically sort of believe you know what that is, like what I'm talking about. For a word to have meaning, it needs a context. We all kind of heard that. If you've been around church much or the Bible much, we've, we've spent a lot of emphasis on making sure we understand the context because it influences. Like I could say, I had a cold pizza, or she has a cold heart, or I was cold in Jacksonville, each completely different applications of that word. But what we forget often is that it's not just context that helps us understand a word, but it's experience, how I've experienced a word. 
It was only in the last century that there were vast numbers of people in this world who had never seen ice. So if you were to say to somebody in sub-Sahara Africa, you were cold, and if you were to say that to somebody who was in northern Alaska, that you were, they would have completely different understandings of that word being cold. That sounds like a lot of introduction, but it helps the time go quicker. Um, anyhow, so I want to read for you this verse. It is kind of a follow-up, actually, um, or in some ways a precursor, because I noticed last time I was here, we talked about sort of a faith that endures. But I really didn't talk about faith, because I, as I was thinking, I just assumed we all know what I'm talking about when I say the word faith. But faith is a context and an experience if I'm going to understand it. So in Hebrews chapter 11, let me read sort of the beginning of this chapter. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. For this is what the ancients were commended for. Let me pause just for a second and we'll kind of digest the feeling of this verse. I've often heard this verse quoted when somebody asks the question, what is faith? And they'll sort of quote back, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And I, I mean, it's, 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 um, it seems so certain to me. It's just so sure and so very cut and dry, right? And so I don't want to, you know, put my hand up and go and Golly, I don't know that I feel exactly like that. Let me keep reading. By faith we understand that the, that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And he talks about Abel, and then he's going to talk about Enoch, but then I'm going to skip down a little bit when he says this. Without faith... It is impossible to please God. If we were to take that verse and hook it up with verse 1, it, it sounds, quite honestly to me, that faith is kind of intimidating. But let me just read this little piece. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we go from like this high bar that I don't think I can meet to what seems like a very low bar. Like, I think there's a God, and I think he likes it when I talk to him. And here's the interesting part, that Hebrews chapter 11 is called this, we talked about it last time, like the hall of fame of faith. This is, this is all people, everybody in this chapter is in this chapter because they demonstrated faith. But it doesn't look like verse 1. Like they were certain and positive and here's what I think. My opinion. I don't, I'm not a great theologian. I think that sometimes the Bible will set for us what is sort of the goal and what it looks like in a perfect way. What we are experiencing and growing towards. And then it gives us what it looks like as we are heading that direction. Because let's think about this, this hall of faith, these famous people. I'll, I'll say this. 
Let's say that you were on the search committee. That's a very popular church word. That's when you're trying to find a new pastor. They put together a committee because that's what Jesus always did. He got little committees together. And, um, and I'm going to tell you that almost every person on here, if, they, if their resume came across your desk, there is no way you would hire them. Not like... You know, David's going to apply, I'm sure. I mean, everybody knows David. You know, he's got a little bit in his background as you do the background check. You know, just a little murder. (laughs) Just a little bit of fooling around on the side. Not a lot. I mean, can you imagine when, when they ask about previous work experience and you're talking to Rahab, the prostitute? Every one of these people, now I will say this, there's a couple in there that actually, in terms of the scripture, we, we don't find anything bad about them. As a matter of fact, I skipped over it, but Enoch is one of those. It says Enoch, I'll paraphrase, loved God, and God somehow miraculously took him to heaven. But that's pretty much all we know about him. Like, the more that is said about a person in the Bible, almost always, the less likely they would be hired as your pastor. Almost without fail. So, this is the place where we discover in experiences what is faith? What does it really look like? So, I've, I've never, I don't know that I've ever done this. I, I've started everything so you can remember. It all starts with a W. So, this will all be about W's. The first one, Crap, I didn't have that one. Did you say wow? Wow. Now feel free to just shout words out. Because that's so helpful. <laughs> Poor Peter. Last time we were up at, up at Evergreen, I asked a question and he actually answered it. It was crazy. It was rhetorical. Anyhow. Um, yeah. So the first one is I wonder. I'll say this. I believe that I wonder is very different than I won't. When the Bible talks about doubt, I believe it's talking about an I won't. I don't think it's talking about I wonder. I love this at the beginning when it says, um, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. There has been unbelievable, whatever, arguments about the, the exactness of how that happened. Whereas if we're honest, most of us would just go, I mean, I kind of lean this way or that, but I just, I wonder how that happened. I cannot, I will say for certain, I can't explain to you in any coherent way how that happened. But I believe he did it. But I do wonder how he did it. Wonder is, uh, is not when I'm curious about the facts, yet I'm trusting, 
I'm sorry, wonder is when I can be curious about the facts, but I'm trusting the source. That's what faith, I think, kind of looks like. It, God says to Noah, I, I, I want you to build this boat. And he had to wonder, quite honestly, why. He, I don't think his brain could totally get around what was all going to happen. We see that with Abraham. We see it in almost all of them that there is, not all the details are filled in. Basically, the doubt that the Bible talks about that is so destructive of us is when we believe that God is lying to us and we trust our own instinct over what we know to be true about him. And wonder is faith because it trusts the goodness of the source without having to have all the details. In some ways, wonder is a way that creates more faith. I wonder. The next one is, I wander. If I express faith, I will wander. I love the, um, the part of Hebrews 11 where it says that God called Abraham, and it says Abraham left not knowing where he was going. In my experience, as you seek out God's guidance, it is unlikely that he will give you a final destination. But he will point you in a direction. As the expression goes, it's really hard to steer a parked car. But a moving car has that ability. If you think about in your life when you have prayed for direction, it's possible you were praying for the exactness of the destination. I can remember when I was in between jobs and wanting God to tell me what job I was supposed to take. God, and I, I remember saying this, I, I can remember where I was, I was in my den, and I said, God, if you tell me what I'm supposed to do, I will do it. Okay, I had my fingers crossed, but I was, you know, you know I'm, try, I'm saying, I mean, because my, my track record isn't always that great, but you understand the intent of the prayer. God, if you tell me what you want me to do, in other words, if you give me the destination, I'll do it. And it's weird. I haven't had a lot of these where I think I heard God say, Carl, there's a lot of things you know I want you to do, and you're waiting to get the destination. Like you're stopped, like you're not going to move until I give you the exact space where you're supposed to go. There's a lot of things you know I want you to do, and you're not doing those. Sort of begin to move, and I can steer you. It's happened to me in relationships. I want a destination, and God wants me to simply take the next step that is somewhat clear in terms of direction. A little, a little hint is that as you're wandering, it is possible you, you might feel like you're getting lost. And just as if you were hiking, here's a little, little hint. Try to just go back to the last known place where you were sure you were supposed to be there. In our faith journey, 
you're going to do a lot of wandering. You're going to be walking not knowing exactly where you're heading, what the destination is going to be, and it's possible you may get completely lost. Just back up a little bit to the last place you knew you were supposed to be. I wonder, I wander, we're going to skip wow. I love this next one. Does anybody know, um, of course you probably do, but just as a reminder, and I honestly didn't know it till that, or didn't remember till it wasn't that long ago, what the word Israel means. It, it, you could translate it to wrestles with God. I love that in our namesake, we are named after, we are in the lineage it is our identity to be people who wrestle with God. I wonder, I wonder, I believe faith looks like wrestling. Peter's been walking through the Psalms. Let me read a Psalm for you. You see, I believe that the faith that wrestles is a faith that believes God can, God can handle what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. As I read the psalm, I want you to imagine that David is angry and scared and frustrated and tired. And this is his prayer. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give me light to my eyes or I'll sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love and my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. He has been good to me. I'm wrestling God. And the end of that psalm is what he aspires to. I know it is, but what he's feeling is that anger. And don't you love that there isn't this you know, parenthetical statement and then the Lord smite him? <laughs> Faith is, is wrestling. I love that the imagery of all, I, I, I think of all sports maybe, it seems that wrestling would be the most intimate. As the word originated in the story of Jacob, and, and him clinging to God, and, and him, it's, it's skin on skin. It's an intimacy. In, the, in those moments when I've maybe tried to help a couple walk through maybe a hard time in their marriage, my experience and observation is the couples who are fighting have a better chance than the couples that have just resigned themselves to being cordial to each other. 
Now, I'm not advising you on the way home to pick a fight. That's not what I'm saying. Hey, Carl said this would be good. <laughs> you, you suck when you drive. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that there is an intimacy that comes with that. There's, there's a passion with that. An honesty that can come with that. Doesn't mean we do it exactly right. But people who have sort of let coldness surround them have, have sort of given up. Those marriages have a much more difficult time. We wrestle. The last one, I think, is the most common association with the word faith. And that is the word waiting. Almost always, faith almost means to wait. It means, as in this chapter 11, when at the end it says that they got little tastes of it, but they never got exactly what they were waiting for until they got to heaven. Faith is almost always waiting, and you've heard me say this before, I'll say it again. I think the most common prayer that God gives to us is not no, but wait. Abraham says to God, God, where are you, where, where are you taking me? Wait, I'll tell you. God, how are you going to fix this thing with my son? Wait, I'll tell you. Or even before that, God, how am I going to have a kid that you promised? I'm a hundred year, wait, I'll tell you. It'll work out. Almost always there is this idea of waiting. Makes me remember, or at least I had this thought today, I don't know that anything good has happened in my life when I acted compulsively. I don't think anything good. For example, as an ex- sort of an illustration of how we don't like waiting, the agony of waiting, I, and I want to be careful, I, I know people have good reasons often to um, accumulate debt. But we have to be honest, this is the most affluent time in history. And the consumer debt in our country is astronomical. And I know that there are exceptions, that there are, you know, there are times when there's emergencies. I get that. But do you know why consumer debt exists? It's because I don't want to wait for a flat screen TV. I don't want to wait for this new something that just came out. I don't want to wait. I want it now. And what we've done a terrible job of teaching our kids is that debt over a long time means that you are going to have less, not more, because you're going to pay a ton more for the thing that you could not wait for. It's just an illustration that as humans, waiting there's not a part of us that naturally leans that direction. For me, I was thinking about food. I sometimes compulsively eat. It's not because I'm hungry. It's because I'm afraid I might get hungry. <laughs> it's because I don't want to put off the experience of enjoying something good. I want it now. There have been a couple times as I was reflecting back on the waiting part 
where I've resigned, if I'm going to be honest, I've resigned a position too soon. I got excited about the next new thing and I thought my being excited was the same as God telling me to go. When in fact I was just maybe trying to escape something. Now, there's also been times where I've waited too long also. Where I stayed too long. Um, so it, I'm not saying it's always that way. But when I look back, it makes me a little sad that I left too soon on some things. I know that there are folks who the waiting is just excruciating. Perhaps you're single and you long to be married. Maybe you're married and you long to be single. And the waiting taking that next step when you don't really know how it's all going to end, it just, it just wears you out. Each person in Hebrews chapter 11, everyone, the one thing they all had in common was that they had to wait. My hunch is if we were to interview them, none of them really liked waiting. Faith is wondering, wandering, wrestling, waiting. There's a ton of other, it's wowing, it's whimpering, it's wiggling, it's, you know, you could probably just keep adding W's to the list. I, but over time, our wondering and, and wandering and wrestling and waiting I believe produces in us a faith that is confident in what we hope for and a sense of assurance about what we do not see. Let me pray for us. Lord, This word, it means, even now as I'm praying, Lord, I'm, I'm thinking about all the things I didn't say and could have said and should have said, but help us, um, help us be honest people, I suppose. Oh, Father, I know it's less about, you know, the amount of faith or some energy or effort I've put, I know it's not that. I know it's you. I know there, that there's something about faith and surrender. Lord, I know. I know the reason I don't want to have faith is I don't want to lose control. I want to stay in charge. And so I pray for me, and I do pray for my friends here, Give us the courage to lose control, to let go, and to trust you. Because we know you are, and we know you're good. Amen. I had mentioned that um, if you feel lost, you can go back to the last place you know for sure, kind of. And maybe in a way that's, 
part of the rhythm of the Lord's Supper, of communion, is having something in some ways concrete. It's, I taste it. It's, it's bread and it's, it's wine. Um, and of course, it's filled with mystery and more than I can explain. But Jesus did say that it was a way that we remember him. We don't forget him. We don't, we don't get caught up in all the things we don't know. We can remember at least this thing we do know. That on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Then afterwards, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood which is poured out for you. This is the new covenant, the new deal. And do this remembering me.